You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. So we got another memo to go over. Uh, I'm going to do that this morning, this disrespectful hour. Shout out to Alexis Travis for making me wake up early for no reason. I'm kidding. Sort of. <laughs> I don't. I say early. I, I got up at 10 a.m. Uh, it's just I have sleep issues. Leave me alone. Um, so I'm a little like I'm still my brain's. I mean, it's it's mostly on. Like there's a couple auxiliary systems still warming up, but um, I took some notes on this character memo just now, uh, and we're gonna dive into this one. Um, this one's kind of the more of the same. I, nothing. Not nothing, but I, I don't think anything in here is going to get me super lit like I have on some of these other ones, but it's just more of the same. It, it's um, vague and not much action. Uh, you know, like it's it's just very it's a one. It's like I got to fit this in one page. You know what I mean? Like it's it's more of the same formula, I guess. So. The first issue that I have with it, and I mentioned this in the last episode, the last like one in the series of uh, where I went through the general memo with the message to all chief petty officers, is the first line contradicts one of his previous memos, um, where it's talking about uh, technical expertise is the, I think it was war fighting competency. It's like technical expertise is the number one priority. And on the podcast before, I've talked a bunch about like if everything's the priority, nothing's the priority. And we operate at, at that uh, with that in mind, like in, and that is like a, a, a way in which we conduct ourselves as, as an entire organization, as big Navy all the time. Right. Where it, everybody, everybody's thing is the number one priority. So nothing's the priority. So nothing gets done the, in the in the manner or or uh, on the t- on the timeline that everybody wants it to get done, and then everybody's pissed off, right? Uh, and then all the people that were supposed to be doing these things are are dirtbags, and you know what I mean? Like it's 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 just a, a recipe for inefficiency. There's your cook for the day. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> it's you can't have it both ways or all the ways simultaneously like it's that's not a real thing that's why i always say leadership development and education is the number one priority because it will objectively improve all of these other areas and make like a huge objective quality increase in all of these areas that everybody wants to be the number one priority because they're not performing at the level they need to be. But if they were, those people wouldn't be on fire. or Those organizations wouldn't be on fire about those things all being the number one priority because they don't need to be. They just need to be working. <laughs> they just need to be getting accomplished in a timely manner. And it's not like a um, think like capitalist civilian industry. It's not like you got to report to your shareholders that we're continually making more profit every quarter. It's like, no, like the all this government bureaucracy cares about is is the thing getting done so that my superior isn't poking me about the thing getting done. If I can report not only is the thing getting done, but it's getting done within or slightly ahead of the the projected timeline, we're all, we're winning and everybody shuts up. And I've seen this happen when when uh, the organization like and this is I mean a smaller level right like a unit organization has a timeline for even for and it's outside of the organ it's directed by agencies outside of the organization but like think about like you're in a, an availability right you're doing a maintenance period on a ship or a submarine or whatever so it's not just you right it's like your unit has a timeline but that timeline is dictated by the maintenance facility 
it's dictated by the operational schedule of all the other units that are, are effectively like filling your slot while you're out getting this maintenance done. And it's the whole maintenance schedule is, is they, it interrelies on each other, right? Like you have this much time in the dry dock so that the next person can get in the next ship can get into the dry dock kind of thing. And even then it's like, uh, with all those organizations working together and everybody has all the priorities and all those things, it's like when it, it's usually a shit show, but when it's ahead of schedule somehow or on time, everybody's happy nobody's like well we can do it faster you know what i mean except maybe the unit co they like sometimes they get a little overzealous and want to go to see faster or something to try to like look good or whatever but um that's i feel like that's rare uh most of the time they're happy to just report up that hey we're doing better than we're supposed to be doing you know and that's winning and they just move on to the other thing because they have so many things and that's i feel like that's kind of how the naval organism functions like the whole thing all together right it's like yeah i got I, it's got so many things to worry about it's like if that one priority is being met it's just going to move on to the next thing it's not going to just continually move the goalposts and you may have experienced something like where they continually move the goalposts as far as timeline like where you know like you oh you can do it that fast okay do it faster but i feel like that's rare I could be wrong about that. I'm always open to feedback, but I feel like if you do it this way, you'd be doing you'd be doing well. Um, but here we are in a memo declaring to the whole cheese mess that, hey, remember that thing I said was the number one priority? Ah, this other thing is also the number one priority because <laughs> it, it it legitimately says character is equally important. Well, then it's not the number one priority. You can't have two number one priorities. That's not how numbers work. <laughs> Like, so it's, I just, that was my face palm moment for this one. I think just kind of chuckled to myself. Like, of course, like, of course, of course, you know, like, cause it's nice. I like, I, I, I was in, in a really small way, but I, like, I was like, oh, great. We're saying something's number one priority. Like, and there's some naivete there, obviously like the, uh, thinking like that it wasn't going to come back around where that now another thing is a number one priority and there's two more memos to go. So maybe like five things will be the number one priority by the time we're done. But, uh, yeah, I just, this was my, like, <sighs> it started off just with like a punch in the face. So it's my expectation that personal character development and technical proficiency be the two attributes attributes we seek in order to advance our culture within the cheese mess. So it's like, and that's what it's very confusing that you even start off this way because the memo subject is character, and he's talking about he starts off by saying technical competency, and it's like well, I thought this was about character, and then the whole first paragraph is about how character is just as important as technical competency. It's like. What, why? Why are we talking about technical competency? But, you know, here we are. Um, so, <laughs> uh, it talks about Chiefs developing character uh, and that you can develop you can develop and, me and measure character. Uh, but it doesn't say how. Typical of these memos, right? Like, how? How do you... I, I, would, I would love to hear this. And I know there's like there are subjective mechanisms in psychology. Like the more I learn in school, the more it's like, like they have tests for everything. Whether it, whether or not you accomplish an objective measurement, like a definitive, this is what this means type of measurement or result based on, you know, an aggregate of data. I, it's pretty rare. Like they, they infer a lot of things, right? So like with this, it's like if you're measuring character and I'm not saying there's no value to those subjective tests at all. Like, cause you can infer things and it kind of like nudges you in a direction that f seems right. But like, it doesn't mean it is right. It, you mean, it means you think it's, it's right. It's like the most right or the closest to right. Right. Uh, that's a lot of rights in one sentence. Jesus. Uh, so it, it's, how are we measuring character development? Like how? Tell me how, like, how am I developing character one? Cause like. I would love to see that explained is like, how, how are chiefs developing character? How's the organization developing character? And then 
but I'm not saying we're not doing it. I just like, how? Tell me how. And then also, how are we measuring it? That's the, I mean, developing character, I feel like would be less of a tall ask than the measurement mechanism. Like, how are you, how are you doing that? I would love to know because if you're measuring it and then you get red flags on certain people, like then what, how are we remediating that? Are we removing people from positions? Like, what are we doing? I would really love to know because I, I don't characters. One of those, it's like a black hole. Um, it's one of those words that can mean like a hundred different things. And, and everybody's got their own interpretation of what it means. It's not like when you ask a sailor what integrity means. Oh, do the right thing when no one's looking. Like, it's not one of those. Characters are very like, it can mean so many different things. And it, and it pulls from a lot of different words, uh, like the meanings of a lot of different words, like integrity, uh, honesty, like authenticity, um, personality. Like, there's just all these things that people will pull from in their own definitions of character but i bet you if you ask people to define character you're going to get a lot of different answers so that's why it's like okay well how do we define it what does it mean to the organization because that's really what matters you're the one training on it and measuring it apparently so what 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 is it how does it work like how are we developing it how are we measuring it i don't know it doesn't say (laughs) um and then it starts to give this what they would probably point at as a definition for them. It starts to give this really vague word salad. There's two different paragraphs just that are very vague word salad type uh, contexts. I'm not even going to call it a definition because it's not that. It's like a their attempt at a context, but it's this very like floating in the ether of like leadership development and stuff that sounds nice around the word character. I don't know. It's a very, uh, word salady paragraph is that suddenly I keep coming back to that idea. I should have called all these episodes word salad. Uh, they show empathy and are authentic in how they lead. They foster and invite. It's talking about chiefs uh, in relation to character sort of, but not really. Uh, they foster an environment of respect, coaching, encouragement, continuous learning, and self-motivation. They have the courage to be honest, humble, and transparent. about. It's like, this is all stuff that seems to just be general stuff written about what they think a chief should be, but not like a very clearly defined ethos for a chief. Also, I thought we were just talking about character in this memo, which I know you got to like provide some context for, but this is just like, it sounds like a pinning script (laughs) just like the same criticism i have of the creed like this sounds like a pinning script like you're talking to these selectees that are about to get their anchors pinned on and i'm just like what i don't why what are we doing like what this is why a one-page memo doesn't work you're trying to cram in everything that you feel about chief petty officers, about what they should be, about what the ideal is. And it's like, this isn't the place for that. We're talking about character. So talk about character and what it means to achieve. And I feel like that's what they thought they accomplished here. Um, I don't, I don't see it. I like this to me, this is just word salad. Um, they are their own toughest critic and setting a personal example and they hold themselves accountable as well. It's like all this, just like we trying to build up this superhero version of a chief in their, in your mind and just writing down a bunch of stuff that you think are, would be attributes of that, you know, superhero cape wearing chief, right? It's like, I don't see the value in this. Uh, chiefs of character are empowered by their leadership role and take action. So, uh, yeah, I, and I put it's his expectation, not a plan. Where's the action? Which I'm going to get to some stuff at the end. Just stay tuned. Uh, that are, that's po- more positive. Some signs of life. Uh, Mick Pond t- said some stuff uh, that got... Uh, somebody sent me a... Um, I forget how what it was linked. And there's like a military.com article that had some stuff about the Mick Pond's kind of like a vague, some vague statements or like ideas about his, his criticisms and plans for the chief season going forward. So, which are a lot of which align with how I think about it, which I was very encouraged by. seems like, it seems like once they get to that level, they start to, 
or probably lower levels, probably like, you know, like force or even like the flag level be on their way up to the McPon office. They start to like, what the, what are we doing? You know, like this isn't the best way to do this. So <clears throat> that stuff will come at the end though. So the, uh, it's like, I, I'm, there is no action. There is no plan. There is no policy. And what's frustrating to me is like, why? Like, why isn't there a policy document? And even just like, I would uh, not even settle. I'd still be bitching about it but like, to the surprise of absolutely no one. But like, start with a policy document that that is this, but like gives you more room to organize it formally and uh, break it down and just gives you more words so that you don't have to try to cram it all in one place. You can like have sections on all these things, right? And what I'd really love to see, pie in the sky, right? Revise the creed, however you wanna do that. I'm not saying you gotta use my revision or any part of it, just revise it to be an actual like mission statement or ethos or just a creed, like a statement of who we are and what we do definitively. And then, revise or go forward with the mission vision and guiding principles as written one of the one of the two i don't i don't know i'd have to sit down and really think about it when i look at the mission vision guiding principles i'm pretty happy with it like i, I like that document it looks like it got tweaked recently but like it's i mean i've liked it since Cam i think campa released those like i i've liked it the whole time like it's what's on our eval like there, there's it's it's good it's it probably could be better, but like I don't have any like <laughs> overt criticism for it, really. Um, but maybe if I sat down and like really thought on it, maybe. But it's a pretty it's a, it's my the thing I point at as the best. Like if you it's the best chief petty officer source document that we have. So start with those things. And then if you're happy there. Right. Which I think the creed needs to just get lit on fire and redone. But the mission vision guiding principles pretty good like maybe tweak it maybe not whatever go forward with those things once that's done and write the policy document whatever it is like an op nav instruction or whatever based on those things like that's your framework right so then you could do then you have like sections that you can do on deck plate leadership all the thing you know like work your way through have character whatever you however you, whatever you want to put in there like because you have you can revise the mission vision guiding principles so if you want it to be character and then i think connectedness and something else are the other i forget the other two memo subjects apparently they sent them to the military.com writers for that article um but they're not actually released to gen pop yet so um you can put those in there if you want those in the mission vision guiding principles cool if you want to just include those as part your priorities and the mission vision guiding principles whatever but like there needs to be a policy document governing how we build chiefs and i'm not even going to say the chief season because i think it needs to be uh i think the policy document needs to capture more than just initiation season which i don't think should be called initiation season by the way i was really disappointed when they brought that back I think that was Giordano, but like, you know, this is my shocked face. So, uh, the, I think the policy document needs to like build that framework of like, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we are going to build chiefs for the future. And here's all the mechanisms. And you can reference the Naval Leadership Development Continuum document and like laying the keel and whatever the hell other source documents you want to and just say like, hey, we have all these things along the way, right? But also, these are the things that we expect to happen before selection. And then the meat, the meat and potatoes of it would be like, this is what the expectations for initiation. And it that maybe even like a, a bunch of templates as enclosures for like, here's your pinning script, here's your master course document for the chief season event, which if you don't know what a master course document is, look it up. Every single formally developed uh, like class or curriculum or whatever in the Navy that you can find like a can track number for has a master course document, right? And the master course document is like, these are the training objectives. This is how many hours are allotted for uh the course is delivery. This is like a lot of the points that should be made. This is things the instructor should be saying. And then uh, 
you have like an instructor guide where the instructor goes through and like marks everything up and blah, blah. well the master course document isn't that i started to bleed over into the instructor guide but you know like i said i'm not all the way awake yet <laughs> but then, then there's an instructor guide where the instructor has like the thing which you've seen for like teaching of the creed there's instructor guides and then there's the powerpoint slide deck thing so the instructor guide is the thing the facilitator marks up and writes down, okay, I'm going to tell a C story here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, right? Highlight this point or bring up the story or relate it to our warfare community or platform or whatever. At this point and that point, yeah, like, like you have some leeway in how you're going to facilitate or deliver it or whatever, but there's a very formal and policy driven set of of training objectives and, and guidelines, like rules, really not guide. I mean, they're not suggestions. They're like, this is, these are the things that thou shalt do. And so like, that's what needs to happen. You can't, you can't, uh, just do this stuff willy nilly. Like I had a select tell me yesterday, I think they messaged me and said, uh, they're not like, it came down from wherever the ivory tower somewhere that, uh, your that their mess is not to call each other genuines anymore and it's like i've been hearing that for five years i mean like before i retired five years so like now it's like six years and i still see it happening i still see people wearing uh chief shirts that say genuine on it so it's like the, and it's because there's no policy against it there's just somebody said something in an email and it got trickled down some places, but not others. Some people decided to do it. Some people didn't. Maybe some people didn't get the email. You can't. And it's so counterintuitive to me that so much of the cheese season is built this way. The whole organization is built around like policy, procedure, formality. Like I can get you a procedure for a peanut butter and jelly. So what the fuck, man? Like, why do we not have a formal policy for this? It's too important. And it's like for so many years, there's been like CNO after CNO after CNO going, you better rein this in, McPon, or we're going to take your toys away. You know, and it's like, how is there not a policy document? And then you can start holding these clowns accountable that end up on the cover of the Navy Times because their season is the one that got everybody shut down for a safety stand down. And they're the ones getting us negative press and making us look bad and compromising, you know, the character of the Chiefs mess as a whole. Like, I don't know. It drives me absolutely nuts that there's not formal policy behind this. But that was a, I went off on a bit of a tangent there. So uh, also like reading these word salad paragraphs i wrote down like who the fuck are these chiefs like we're in fantasy land if you think this is what chief petty officers are if you like this is an ideal that you want to strive for cool but you didn't say that and you kind of imply it as like this is what we're striving for but again like i this isn't who we are it's like you have to start at the foundation where all the rot is you know like the creed and the mission vision guiding principles and then a policy document and then build from there it's like this is like an accoutrement this is like this is just something to accentuate the work you've already done but you haven't done it so it's that's why this is like this misses for me and i think for many based on the response to all these podcasts that I'm doing, it's like, I j you skipped so many steps. And so this isn't landing like you intended it. Um, and again, like I always caveat, it's like there are good chiefs out there, but there are anomalies. The organization is not built on this ideal, and it should be. And I agree with that idea. I just don't think this is the way to get there like at all like I don't think this is going to do much if any good because you skipped all those other steps um yeah the the it, again it goes into more like chiefs of character are empowered by the their leadership role and take action they have the courage to stand up for what is right even if there are personal consequences 
Um, and then it goes on uh, with more word salad. But the chiefs of character are empowered by their leadership role and take action. This, there was this, um, I shared it on the Facebook page because there's not a, gr- I mean, you gotta like screenshot it and shit to share it the way that I want to on Instagram, but because I want there to be like a link and stuff, but I don't know, whatever. There's probably a way and I just don't know how, but the, it's a article on moral humility, um, which had a, t- like a Ted talk or it was a Ted talk. It wasn't an article. God, um, the, uh, Ted talk in it, the speaker said, and I don't know if this is a perfect quote, but it's close. It basically said, uh, if you want to evaluate or test someone's character, give them power. Like, don't like there's not another good test. Right. And I'm not trying to like finish the McPond's homework for him. Like, this is not (laughs) when I was like, how do you measure character earlier? Like, uh, this isn't the answer to the test necessarily, but it's a, if you, if you absolutely have to know, this is a, a way to do it. Right. And what you see happen quite a bit is these things going off the rails because of a lack of moral humility. And I'm going to do a foundations episode on moral humility. It's a, it's a, a really, really great topic to talk about, particularly in relation to the chief's mess and the wardroom really. But, uh, it, in, in like when we're talking about this, it's like we're, we're giving these people power before they're ready to wield it and it's like there's no real guide rails there so it's like that's why you see so many of the problems that you do like you it's why the chief season has so many issues that's why messes have so many issues that's why selectees have such a bad taste in their mouth about the chief season and i feel like that started that's it, it feels like that's starting to increase uh the more selectees that i interact with every year the more and more frustrated and like vocal they are about that frustration um it's i i don't and again i'm going to do an episode on this i don't want to go too down too far down that rabbit hole on the moral humility uh topic but there's just so much of the leadership that is attempted by the mess, I feel like is compromised by a lack of moral humility. So um, you give people power without the the tools to uh, responsibly wield it for good and not evil, you know, like <laughs> um, it's the the kind of the the place we arrive at the unforeseen consequences and the wreckage that's left behind due to the irresponsible wielding of that power is evident. And, uh, I don't think it's surprising. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of just going to fast forward to the end here as far as like, cause I, a lot of my comments say the same thing. It's like, it sounds nice, but it's vague directionless and frustrating. Like, the whole memo this memo is very much like the majority of it is just like it's just a bunch of word salad and it's vague and there's no action or plan or anything um the again i i did say and and i want to make sure we talk about this there are signs of life like i a lot of i have plenty of criticism for the mcpon and i'm sure i'm not the only one and it's not again like i think i'm sure he's a great dude i'm sure he has especially because of some of the things he's saying in these memos, even though I have plenty of criticism to send that, send his way on these. Um, and then that military.com article that I'll get to, it's like they, um, the office and the leadership mess and all the people that are, are involved in this. It's like, I'm sure I'm not like telling them anything they don't already know generally hopefully i mean i hope that's true um and i know his heart's in the right place i know their hearts are in the right place i think 99.9 percent of these people want nothing but the best for the enlisted force the organization 
blah, blah, blah. Right. I just, this, I just don't think this is the way to do it. Um, the mandatory conversations could be interesting. Um, I am still skeptical because they're not guided by policy or facilitated by experts that are outside of the organization. Um, but because I have hope for two reasons in this regard, uh, albeit minimal, it's like they're the topic, the subject is good. The general premise is very good, and I'm glad that it is the general premise. Um, and based on what is admittedly my anecdotal experience with these, uh, we'll call it, and it's probably an intellectually lazy term, but like the new generation of chief selects, like in the last few years, um, they're so much smarter than we were. They have access to so much more information. I think there's a lot more uh, self-improvement happening in earnest where they're reading books on leadership and psychology and just all these listening to podcasts, doing all the things that we didn't do coming up. Uh, not that we I mean, plenty of readers, <laughs> plenty, plenty of leaders read and have for a long time, but not not enough, but like plenty do. But there's all these other mechanisms that makes make everything so much more digestible and accessible, right? Like the Internet is everywhere. Right? You can listen to audiobooks and podcasts while you're running, while you're doing yard work, while you're driving to and from work, which is what a lot of people do with this podcast. Um, I just they have so much more access and access to information and just understanding of things that we didn't at the stage in our development that we were as board eligible first classes that were selected to chief that I think if, if chiefs, we facilitate an environment where they're comfortable speaking up, which is usually not the vibe in chiefs training for selectees like chief select training which is presumably when these conversations are going to take place. Like, even though I know it says in the memo not to do it that way. Um, if you facilitate an open and honest conversation and they're made to feel like they can use their voice, which I mean, there are a certain number of them. <laughs> like I know a few <laughs> that don't care, like that will just say it anyway out loud. But most won't. And so if they're if it's an environment that's facilitated in a way that these selectees are, are told and, and made to feel that they can say what they actually think without fear of any kind of reprisal, you know, or, or consequences, I think you could have a really great conversation. And I think that the chiefs in that room might learn something from these selectees for the for the reasons that I just laid out, like they they the question they always like that what do you bring to the mess which doesn't really have an answer like they bring themselves their context and experience because duh but like there's not they always like act like it's a um like the answer is just this like thing that you don't understand but it's, it's a trick question they're just gonna you're always wrong no matter how you answer it it's so stupid um but that's what the, they bring that. And I don't think that the chiefs, the current chiefs, most of them, I mean, there's a small minority that are part of this generation that already went through everything and are, are in the, in the mess. Right. But I don't think a lot of the old salts recognize this untapped resource. Like they are bringing with them a ton of knowledge and experience that either you didn't have at the time or you don't have at all currently and they can bring that with that like Desiree shout out to Desiree for sending me that dope Ted talk is going to bring that understanding of moral humility with her and like I've I've never heard that term and I've never heard it explained that way and I study this shit like look at the books and the fuck podcasts and YouTube videos like I study leadership and psychology regularly and I had never heard that term. I've heard the concept, uh, the the way that it was defined. I've heard that used 
in like a context, right? Like, like if you were born in Nazi Germany and uh, during like that time, that time frame, would you have been a sympathizer? Would you have been a full on Nazi? Would you have been part of a resistance of some kind? And they have statistics because it's historical, right? That they can point at and be like, well, you say that everybody, of course, in like when asked that question modern in like modern times, oh, everybody's going to say yes, right? Pretty much. <laughs> and of course, that's not true, right? You could make a case that, it, I mean, if we're talking about time travel, then maybe because we all have very different understandings, we have the benefit of retrospective thinking and all of the things that have happened since then, both academically and just historically. But uh, so you can make an argument that the statistics would be different, that like more people would would have the courage. But would they? Right. Because like you, the it's easy sitting in a classroom to say, oh, of course, I would be part of the civil rights movement. Of course I would. Right. It's easy to say that. But when you're in an environment where I mean, like think like go watch some of the videos from civil rights protests and marches and sit ins and stuff like that, like it's easy to say that you agree and would participate in that movement. But then when you're if you were actually able to like teleport into it where people are like sicking dogs on you and shooting you with a fire hose and beating you with clubs because of your ideas and because of your willingness to vocalize them and stand up for what you believe is right. It's a different thing. You could lose your life. Nazi Germany, if you were part of a resistance, like your life's in danger the whole time. You're probably ostracized by people that you used to be close with. You're very isolated. And yeah, you're like in fear for your life constantly. That's a different thing to actually do it. Right. And that's what that moral humility thing is. So. I, that's the type of that's the type of thinking that these selectees are bringing to the mess. Did you know that? Like, take the time to really tease that out. Like, be curious, ask those questions and see what they have to say, because these conversations that McPon has mandated are a great opportunity to do that. And I think some of this stuff will blow your mind. Um, so I'm I'm. I'm hopeful that more people will take advantage of this opportunity being granted by the MCPON mandating something constructive. Um, I wish he would do more of that, and I hope that's what's coming. And and that kind of leads me into the, the military.com article. I'm going to try to bring it up real quick. But the like the gist of it is um, or actually Ariana sent me this article. Um, that somebody posted it in a Reddit thread where it says the MCPON is trying to lessen the impact of CPO initiation among other mess reforms. Um, and the article is linked as part of the post, right? And he's talking, they're talking about hazing, which I don't know how much he talks about that piece of it. But, um, they quoted some of the lines from some of his memos about organizational drift and mediocre leadership. And uh, I thought that was interesting, but uh, military.com actually interviewed him in his office. Apparently it says on Friday, this was published on the 29th of August. So I guess just this, this past Friday. Um, and he explained that he wants to tackle counterfeit behaviors, which I thought was a great way of articulating what I was trying to say in the last podcast about the the shift in energy and how chiefs altered their behavior during the chief season. This counterfeit behaviors line is money. I love that. I hope he weaponizes that in in his reforming of the mess. Um, and. Among his hopes is that the induction of new chief petty officers, which I love that they used induction, and I'm hoping that they plan to change. He plans to change the initiation term because I, I just think that term should get deleted from our lexicon, except when you're like referring to a historical context when you're reading a tradition of change. Like that term should have got left in the fucking past. Uh, but you know, whatever. I hope he's deleting that. Um, so he's talking about the induction of new chief petty officers come a far less onerous and time consuming tradition. 
that's what I was just talking about last episode. So it's like the stress and the workload and the demands on not only chief selects, but chiefs and their, and then the families of both, like it, it needs to go. Uh, while Honey's efforts to change some aspects of chief traditions is not new, the fact that they are being done as part of a broader attempt to do, to address the previously mentioned uh, organizational drift and mediocre leadership um, shows how seriously the Navy's taking the problems. I don't know if I agree with that, but I hope that's true. Uh, he's talking about, so they mentioned some of the like controversy around suicide and like the tainted water thing and uh, how he promises to be an advocate. Like, of course he does. He does say the first year's focus has been about chief petty officers because I think we're the focal point and we're the ones uh, or they're the ones we're dependent on the most. I don't know if that's I, I think that they for better or worse, they have the the largest impact on all the things that he's calling a priority, right? Like quality of life and and um, war fighting competency. And, and I forget what the other one is <laughs> like the chiefs have the biggest impact on all those things. Like if you can. Again, going back to something I've said before, if you can make an objective 20% quality increase in enlisted leadership across the board, so many things would would drastically improve, if not just be outright fixed, where the problem is completely eliminated. So uh, you don't have to perfect chiefing. You don't have to make everybody this perfect leadership ideal. You just need a, an objective quality increase of, you know, and I'm not, I 20% is an arbitrary number, but I, I'm just saying, I'm like, just imagine if, and, and purposely setting the bar kind of low. I mean, you could say 20% is a big increase and it, I guess it is, it's a marketing increase for sure, but it's not like, like, I'm sure if we were going to say, Hey, we want to improve cheese, I'd want to start at like 50% at least, right? Like I want to set the bar higher, but you know, like I, that I was purposely trying to set it low when I made that analogy, but yeah, I, it, this, um, it got, there's a bunch of stuff, uh, about like the, it goes through like a lot of the tradition of change history, like just kind of like summarizes it. Um, but it says in Honey's mind, chief petty officers have lost focus on what's important, leading some to reward some of the wrong behaviors. And then he mentions the he calls it bumper sticker stuff about being a chief petty officer. And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. And you hear that more and more out of a lot of very senior level uh, enlisted leadership where they're openly criticizing some of the chief's mess culture that does not add any value and does not align with the mission vision guiding principles like this prideful boastful crap um and i think it's like it's about time the mcpon started like dunking on people about this because like it's this shit's gotta go like i'm not saying you can't have like challenge coins and pride shirts but fuck man like we don't need like a whole car wrap or like your whole whole rear windshield thing with a giant chief skull on it or whatever. Like it's it's too much. Um and it's like the focus for a lot of people. Yeah, so the uh other the other two memos are competency and connections, which I guess were made available to military.com, but not the Navy for some reason. Uh Yeah, I, I I don't know how much more, how much more of this I'm going to even bother quoting or anything, but it's the article itself and you can find the, the whole post is on Reddit and I shared the TED talk. I'll share the article when I'm done recording this, the military.com article, but it's a very encouraging sign of life. Again, a lot of it is just. Uh, them saying that they're concerned essentially like this there's no plan or action in here at all there's just these memos so it's like i'm cautiously optimistic but like when he says stuff like this and even like it's got a quote about force force mass chief jason dunn 
most senior enlisted. So he's force for uh, CNIC, it looks like. Uh, he said the chief's mess and all sailors have an important role when it comes to supporting each other. And that if we are unable to do that, that is where some of the risks lie. So it's like, there's more than one person vocalizing this kind of stuff too, which makes sense. Cause the Mick Pond's leadership mess is going to support him and his priorities. But yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I like that. He's saying some of the stuff out loud. Cause it's, in the past, it's been the kind of like criticizing the mess at all has been like taboo. So this is progress, however slight. I hope it be it's backed up by actual meaningful change and and driving that change is policy, like a policy document. It's got to happen. And I hope this is the dude to do it. I hope we're not waiting for another McPond to finally put this stuff in writing, if ever. But yeah, um, Again, the, the character memo, I, it was more of the same, less inflammatory things like the mental health thing that I, I flipped out about. But it was kind of just more of the same. The, the It's general. It's vague. And there's no plan of action. There's no, no steps or meaningful action. Like the conversations are nice. Like he mandated something, which is good. But if this was built on top of a policy document and an actual plan of action, I think it would be a lot more meaningful. I think because I think this this topic would be the topic of conversation if an opnav was released dictating t before the chief season started that thou shalt do the following. This is like, you know, like if we had done a big thing where like people are out like training chiefs on how they're going to facilitate the new version of the chief's induction season, please change initiation. Um, and there's a, a the formal policy document, a master course document, instructor guides, learning objectives, all of it's formalized. And I don't I don't mean it's going to turn the chief season into death by PowerPoint. Calm down. I'm just saying there needs to be formal guardrails through policy. There just has to be. Um, but yeah, I, I think if these memos and those subsequent conversations that are mandated were built on top of that, it would be far more impactful. And the conversations would be far better because they know this isn't just the whim of another Mick Pond and he's gonna he's gonna fade away in a in like a year and a half and there'll be a new one with a new set of priorities and more memos. You, you see what I'm saying? Like there's no staying power if there's no policy behind it. And sure, I, instructions can be revised or canceled, but like it's a lot harder to change that if you. If he had come in swinging and it, within the first year had changed the chief season as we know it, most most McPons aren't going to be ready to hit the undo button as soon as they come into office. They're gonna maybe they make some slight changes, they add to it, whatever. But like most of them aren't going to be willing to just roll all that back because of the turmoil that would ensue. Like there's already going to be turmoil when you formalize this stuff, like especially in the. Navy Times comment section type all the older tired people that don't think like me but you know here we are I don't I, don't, <laughs> I guess I'm done with this one um, yeah I you know this one not as much meat on the bone but I like it needs to be talked about uh, and I think we got some good content uh, in there for everybody just to to help add to those discussions and please 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 chief selects when you discuss these memos be open and honest like share how you really feel tell them your real perspectives on these things don't just let it be don't just be like a bystander for a discussion amongst the chief's mess um don't be afraid to to vocalize it like you're gonna get yelled at anyway <laughs> that's the chief season for you but uh yeah, I, I really hope that those conversations are productive and your voice does matter. You do have a voice and you should use it and you should like share some of those things. Like I hope Desiree talks about the, the um, oh God, moral. God, I already forgot the word. Jesus, I need a nap already. But you know what I'm talking about, the concept from earlier. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, I really hope some of those things are shared, like some of that wisdom that is 
in all of this new wave of chief selects, I like share that, open up about it, say the things that you're thinking, um, because that's what you bring to the mess. Your perspective uh, is unique. Your like outlook, the way you analyze things, the way you interact with the world, it's unique to you. And that's what you bring to the mess. So use that. It's powerful. Um, if you want to hit us up, don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us, don't give up the shit podcast. Or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit, or Discord at DGUS Podcast. If you want to support us, you can go to DGUSPodcast.com. There's a donate button in the upper right hand corner of the website. Or you can go to DGUSApparel.com. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, or you can go to Patreon.com slash Podcast and become a patron today. There's five tiers, ton of cool benefits. Uh, and it really helps all uh, any of the mechanisms help uh, us pay all these bills and expand the platform because everything costs money. If you can't afford to spend any, though, the best ways to support us is like, share, subscribe, review on all the platforms for all the things. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, share the videos, share the podcast, tag your friends on the social media posts, follow us on Instagram and face like us on Facebook and all the things right like like interact, follow, review us on iTunes and Spotify and all those things. Right. Anything you can do like that doesn't cost you a dime, just a little bit of attention and time uh, while you're already presumably engaging with the podcast and it helps with the algorithms and the, all the things it gets the word out organically and doesn't cost us a dime or you a dime. Uh, so it's a win win. Um, and we really, really appreciate it. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>